0: Here's what I would hope. They need to team up. Melinda and Mackenzie, Eminem, they need to work together and do their own foundation. That would be the story that would give me the most hope in 2022 and beyond. The moral here is we just need women running the place. <laughs> yeah. You know, and with that, I mean, we're signing off. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, and I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. Well, it is Thanksgiving week. The turkey has been eaten by this point, but we I'm a ham guy myself, so <laughs> Todd. You're a ham? You're I am. Ham yeah, for I don't, Thanksgiving. Yes. I, I don't
1: I don't like I don't like the I'm with you.
0: roasted turkey so much. I, I'm with you. Dark meat, I like the dark meat. Do but you? at any rate, wow. What about Digression the question right off the bat? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We came up with the idea for this show of talking about the news stories from the past year that you and I are most thankful for. And for me, it's also stories that make me hopeful about the future. And I'm thankful for those. And it wasn't so much stories as the innovations that are coming. Is
1: right. That's how I was thinking that's about this. That's how you're this. thinking.
0: I, yeah. Totally understood. Totally understood. So... In other words, we really it
1: was Thanksgiving week and we didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> so we came up with this harebrained but,
0: scheme. And yet... It is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because we, seriously, a lot of times we will challenge ourselves to look independently for specific trends in some of the past coverage. And it turns out really interesting because there are places where we overlap and places where we differ. So let's just go down our respective lists. John, what new innovation, new technology, new development over the past year has made you most hopeful? Well, Todd, I actually created two lists. One that I was
1: thankful for and one that was not thankful for. Yes. And frankly, it was a lot easier to write the not thankful for list. But let's not start out so negative, right? Sounds good. Let's start out – I mean, it's holiday week. Let's start off positive. I mean, I think number one. I mean, when you think about this. It has to be. The amazing achievement – of MRNA vaccines. Absolutely. I think any How can we not celebrate that? Would have to start with that for this past year. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just a remarkable achievement. Now, I know it's decades in the making, but you really saw it come to fruition on a very serious situation with COVID spreading across the globe. And here we have science, innovation, technology helping to solve this problem in a very positive way. So number one, right off the bat, I mean- That's just a
0: no-brainer, it seems like, right? I was thinking about this. 2021 versus 2020 for me could not be more night and day. I've been able to spend time with my parents. I've been able to sit here in a studio with you. And I know we're still emerging from this thing. We're not out of the woods yet. But just the progress we've made over the past 18 months really gives me hope. My hope, though, is that this kind of collaboration that was used to create this breakthrough continues on other fronts. And frankly, one of my things that I'm most thankful for or hopeful about in the past year is an innovation from Amazon that I think speaks directly to this. So unless you have more to say on MRNA. No,
1: I think the the story's been told on that okay. one. Okay, yes, all right. So, so, so
0: have at it. So it's funny because after we talked about doing this show I started to see things through the lens of, of gratitude, of being grateful for specific things. And it makes me realize that if I just had that mindset in everyday life, I would perhaps see the world differently. Maybe
1: you'd be a better person.
0: Maybe, possibly. <laughs> it's a long shot. <laughs> but I've got a lot of ways to improve, that's and that's right. one of them. That's right. Amazon, just a couple weeks ago, came out with a new type of packaging for cold and frozen food made from recycled and recyclable paper. In other words, it has been recycled and it can be recycled again. And I don't know if you're into grocery deliveries. Do you get- Well, you know I'm a big Blue Apron fan.
1: Oh. So, and this has been the big criticism on whether you are actually putting more into the environment by getting these meals shipped to you or not. Now, my argument is, even with all the packaging, I'm probably spending less money and have less waste because you're bu- you're getting very small receptacles of what you're using. So I think it pencils out. But you know, if they added into this that there's uh, you know biodegradable uh, packaging material, that's well not only biodegradable but it's actually made from recycled
0: recycled material, right? And I don't know if it's technically biodegradable. It is recyclable with frozen food and cold food in particular on food deliveries from Amazon and other companies they've always used some form of plastic or yes, some and kind of this is of the case item. in blue yeah. apron as well yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. the key issue here this is not solving the problem of the transportation the gas the environment all the other issues but it is one small slice of this entire issue and what amazon did was they came up with paper based packaging for frozen and cold foods. So the
1: paper that would maybe encircle the ice pack, essentially, so it doesn't- There's no ice
0: pack. That's the thing. They figured out how to make it so if you put the food in there when it's cold, you're able to have it stay cold for long enough that it gets to the house and can be put in the fridge or the freezer. And you're able to effectively eliminate any of the plastics from the process. And it's basically layered tissue paper- That keeps the temperature constant inside. And they went through a whole series of experiments and consumer testing to make this happen. I have not actually experienced it yet. I did an Amazon fresh order yesterday in the hope that I would get this type of frozen food packaging. You wouldn't believe all the popsicles that I ordered to try and force them to (laughs) to get me (laughs) this new type of packaging. But This, to me, is really a remarkable example of Amazon following through in a very specific way on its climate pledge, the climate pledge where they're planning to reduce their emissions to net zero carbon by 2040. And here is a very specific example of how they're trying to do that and impact the environment in a positive way. Here's the thing, though. And the reason that I think it speaks to the need for altruistic collaboration among companies, Very much along the lines of what biotech and big pharma companies did with the development of mRNA vaccines. I asked Amazon as a follow up, This is great. Now, are you going to share this innovation with other companies? Of course not. That are going to be able to use it then to make their own food deliveries more environmentally conscious? That to me is where the rubber meets the road. The answer to that question speaks to whether you're truly being altruistic or you're capitalizing on consumer interest in environmental issues to the benefit of your business and you can decide which side of that question Amazon falls on they did not respond to my question
1: well and just stepping back because I know we were high on the mRNA vaccines as well this well, is let's a,
0: hope we're not high on them well, but yes well we were we were positive <laughs> that this was the
1: hopeful message and you mentioned the collaboration and yes. and and whatnot sorry we, we should we should step back for a second and one of the big criticisms is much in this arena in terms of the collaboration that the rich drug companies like right. Pfizer and Moderna are not sharing the code behind their vaccines with developing countries. And in many ways, essentially open sourcing the mRNA vaccine so that they can be distributed more widely. So in many ways, it's a similar problem, right? I thought this was supposed to be a positive show. No, it doesn't have to be all positive. That's not fun. <laughs> I want to build off this idea of this kind of environmental progress that Amazon's making in package, because this was actually number two on my list of things I'm thankful for, very much in line with this. So I think this year, 2021, has been a watershed moment for when investors, startups, just the general business population really woke up to climate change in a much, much bigger way. And I think you're seeing dollars flow. You're seeing innovative and creative ideas. It's not that they weren't there, but I think it's become a part of the consciousness of folks now that they want to make sure they're building products and new companies that are going to try to solve the climate disaster that we are a part of. And so that was number two on my list. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And when you were mentioning – the tissue paper that Amazon is using, it brought up a Seattle startup that you may or may not know, Cloud Paper. Oh. This is the bamboo <laughs> toilet paper uh, yeah. maker. So so they're in this vein too. I'm using them as an example of, and by the way, they're backed by Robert Downey Jr. Did oh, you know that? I did not yes, know that. They raised Iron money Man, early. Iron no Man less. is behind it. So that's good. <laughs> but it is part of a bigger trend and there are... An- this is a, a smaller startup but you see up to a company by the name of helion which just raised 500 million dollars for fusion energy trying to also you know get to a carbon free um, fuel for us so I mean there's there's a lot going on across what used to be called the clean tech space now you can call call it sustainable reducing climate change there's just a lot going on in this arena and that does give me hope that we have smart people, smart money, putting big bets on everything from fusion energy to
0: toilet paper that can be (laughs) more environmentally sound. So the whole idea behind cloud paper is that it's toilet paper that is more biodegradable. Is that the idea? It's tree-free toilet paper. Got it. So I think it comes from
1: bamboo, which apparently is more sustainable. Have
0: we done a GeekWire experience test on those? No, we've not done a GeekWire experience. (laughs) I think that's a missed opportunity. Okay,
1: well, all right, (laughs) we'll get our team on that immediately. So, anyway, this I think this is a big area. It also ties into I think this is something on your list, Todd, as it relates to transportation. Yeah, but e vehicles, you know, so uh, the electrification of vehicles. I mean, again, I think 2021 was a landmark year where it became. I don't want to say it's mainstream because still there aren't as many electric vehicles on the road. But I think now, if you are looking to go purchase a vehicle in this country, an electric vehicle is in the conversation in a big, big way. And I think it's only going to continue. And so I think that gives me hope.
0: So I want to talk about one of my other ones, which you just alluded to, and that is high speed rail. Let's do that right after this break. You're listening to GeekWire. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back, it's Todd Bishop with John Cook. It is our Thanksgiving week show. We hope everybody out there in the US had a great holiday. And this week on the show, we are talking about the technology innovations, the stories, the trends over the past year that we are thankful for, that make us hopeful for the future. John, on my list again, from just the past couple of weeks is this notion of high-speed rail and it came up again at the Cascadia Innovation Corridor Conference, which for folks who may not know this, it actually took me a while to figure this out after I moved here. The region from Oregon to Washington to British Columbia in Canada is commonly known as the Cascadia region. They call it the Cascadia Corridor if you're talking about the major urban centers from Vancouver to Seattle to Portland. There is a group led by Microsoft and others that try to Come together and figure out ways to unite these regions. And one of the perennial topics is high speed rail, this notion of connecting Portland to Seattle in an hour and Seattle to Vancouver, BC in an hour. For me, one of the coolest parts about moving to the Seattle region more than two decades ago now was the proximity to Canada and the ability to just pop up to Victoria or Vancouver. or Which further. we really haven't been able to do for a couple of years, which is a real drag. Exactly. So this is two-pronged. One is just the relief that now you can actually leave the country, <laughs> assuming you've taken advantage of one of the innovations that we spoke about in the first segment. And then two, the Governors of Washington and Oregon and the premier of British Columbia just signed a memorandum of understanding and granted, you know, this is symbolism, but they are going to get together and try and coordinate efforts to bring high speed rail or some other form of ultra high speed transportation, they said, which wasn't quite clear what they might be alluding to. Jay Inslee, Washington State's governor, acknowledged like, hey, this may seem pie in the sky, but he pointed out, hey, look, it seems like just yesterday that we were talking about how long it was going to be until we got light rail going up and down the Seattle region, and look, here we are. What,
1: 30 years later? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it it does happen. It does eventually happen, was his point. So that made me optimistic. And I guess if you're in politics,
1: you operate at a different speed than – what we're used to in the business and startup realms.
0: So maybe 30 years isn't too long. Yeah, I think there's probably not a lot of startups other than those maybe led by Elon Musk that might be able to build something this complex on a super fast timetable. But regardless, I am looking forward to the day when I can just jump on a train and not have to worry about the airport or anything else and just zip up to Vancouver or down to Portland. Quickly. Obviously, you can do that on Amtrak now, which I've done many times. Yeah. I
1: mean, I love this idea and would love to see it in practice. Do you think, with the passing of the infrastructure
0: bill, that there's maybe a higher likelihood that this could speed up? They did cite that possibility in the text of the memorandum. Since then, however, I've been reading some stories that say high speed rail is unlikely to benefit from the infrastructure bill specifically. So that may not be something that gives them a tailwind. It it would be, I think, pretty unique for this region.
1: And you do have three cities that are right along the coast that uh, could truly benefit from deeper connections. I feel like we're too polarized from our Vancouver and Portland neighbors. I don't feel like we're that connected. That's why I've always been kind of struck by this partnership on Cascadia. I I like it in concept, but When you think about it, the Portland business community is very separate from the Seattle business community, which is very separate from the Vancouver business community. In fact, I would say there are probably more ties between Seattle and Silicon Valley and San Francisco than there are to our neighbors just to the north and south of us, at least in the tech realm. I mean, I'm sure um, I can be proven wrong here
0: in other industries, but in tech, it does seem that way. Right, and I think part of the idea is that these leaders see the potential of uniting those I would regions. hope so. And I so think there's opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so this kind of initiative could do that essentially. And so I think that that's part of what it would be. I mean, ideally in my dream world, if you're talking about sci-fi, high-speed rail from Vancouver to Seattle to Portland to Sacramento, to San Francisco, to Fresno, to LA would be awesome. And I know obviously in California, Governor Gavin Newsom has been pushing a bullet train proposal and it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere. It's very futile. But you know, that that's the way it goes. And and I hope eventually in a hundred years that this kind of infrastructure is around. Well, not in a hundred years. I hope it's around in, I don't know, thirty years. How's that? There you go. So that's the next trend on my list. Awesome. What's on your list next? You know, this is an oldie but a goodie, um,
1: and it gets talked about. Maybe it's been passed over. But when you think about how much we've moved our life into the cloud, hmm. it's really a glorious thing that you don't have to have a bunch of backup disks or you know backup storage devices holding all of your data. I think it's just an amazing feat. That we can put things into the cloud and feel relatively secure about it and not worry about it being outdated, lost, destroyed. And I actually have a lot more faith. I mean, I know there's a lot of cyber attacks and 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 security issues. But I have more faith that my data will be secure in the cloud than I would if it were in some other device. So as I said, that's not necessarily new to 2021, but I just had a newfound appreciation for it. You know, this is
0: something that I absolutely love, and it's the fact that a lot—well, first off, everybody out there, don't listen to John Cook. You also do need to back up your files, your key files <laughs> on external storage, flash drives, hard drives. So you do? At, at Why can't rate. you just keep uh, it in the cloud? Well, maybe multiple clouds with backup. If it's important to you, if you don't want to lose it, you need to back it up. I just had a situation this past week, John. I was looking for an interview that I did in twenty. 20- 2018, 2018 okay. so three years ago, I found it on a backup that I had done of a Mac that I had. Well, you're I think way we more organized. Why no, didn't no, you I have wasn't.
1: that? Why didn't you have that in a in a you know Google Drive file? Well, I should have. I should okay. have because
0: I don't think I was aggressively using cloud storage <laughs> at the time. But you know how I found it? I found an email that I had sent to someone referencing the interview, and then I used that to find the date. And there was n- I didn't even mark the file. I just had to go through all my audio files and you should have seen and heard me when I found it. It was amazing. But what you're saying is really interesting because I think sometimes a lot of this stuff sneaks up on us and we don't realize how the technology that we were buzzing about two, three years ago or that was on the floor of the Consumer Electronics Show got whittled down into something that was actually practical and put into our lives. And you know what mine is on this? Everybody talks about augmented reality. And as you know, neither of us is a driver of a modern vehicle necessarily. I've got a 2007 <laughs> Toyota Camry that I have to like jimmy rig to even get Bluetooth in. And you're famous. I can't believe we haven't the talked Honda about Accord. this. The Honda Accord. yeah. Oh, so I miss it. So
1: <laughs> The yeah. one that
0: you drove into the ground. Yes. What year was that anyway? I don't know. Yeah. I, I got a good 20 plus years out of it. My wife has uh, not brand new, but a few years old Toyota RAV. And it's got the backup camera, but it doesn't just have the backup camera. It's got the lines, the AR lines in the backup camera that show me when I'm too close to the garage, so I don't bowl over the garage
1: door. So I've got, I've got some thoughts on this, Todd. Okay, uh, here, here I go. Okay,
0: uh, you're, this, you're not going to like this. No, okay, I'm, not,
1: I'm not. I'm, I'm. Well, you're anti-AR. S- uh, well, it's, no, it's, it's, I, yeah. I see the benefit. I see the benefit, but. Don't you think – and I see this with maps. I've, I've become like a religious user of maps. I'll put a map on for a place I've gone a thousand times in Seattle and I'll still put the map you, you on. You driving directions. Driving directions, yes. yeah. And why do I need to do that? I need to – I know how to get there. My wife gets super mad at me. Why are you looking at your phone and following those directions and like you know
0: how to get there? Well, why are you looking at your phone? You should just be listening to the audio.
1: Well, I guess I do that too. But I like – I guess maybe it's because I like maps and I like looking at what's around me and whatnot. But I think it. there's a part of me that – and this gets into one of my not thankful for things. There's a part of this that makes you kind of dumber and worse at which like, – like that's probably making you a worse driver.
0: Right. I'm like, relying on the technology. It is substituting for my own judgment and senses. And the problem is when I get back into my own car – I have to readjust yeah. and remember what and it's like to how put many your hand over you the hit? seat. And I've, I've not hit any that okay. I know of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty careful. I'm not the yeah. greatest driver in the world, but I am pretty cautious. Yeah. Um, most of the time. Well, uh, it, it does speak
1: to this idea of technology, maybe playing too big of a role yes. in our lives. And where do you draw the line? And I think that's a struggle that all of us are facing and are going to continue to face, especially as we all enter the metaverse
0: uh, in a much bigger way in the coming years. I hear you though, on the cloud, the process just of upgrading, for example, from Windows 10 to Windows 11, if you would have been upgrading from, I don't know, Windows 2000 to Windows XP back in the day, you would have been going through this crazy process. You would have been plugging in a cord from one computer to the other. It would have been insane and it struck me actually how seamless moving from Windows 10 to Windows 11 was because I rely heavily on OneDrive as the cloud storage behind all the little files on my computer, you know, the desktop and everything. And it actually helps me jump from computer to computer already. And it just made the process of going from one OS to the other, something like Bill Gates would have talked about 20 years ago. That's and the, the, road thing.
1: And the road ahead. the road ahead, exactly.
0: His big thing for many years was seamless computing, seamless computing. And so that notion i think was in some ways visionary much more visionary than he was on the internet because he didn't really even see that one coming on the web uh that was something that he struggled to to see and they had to redo the book for the second edition to to get the stuff in there about the World Wide web and the information superhighway todd anything else on your list so i've got a couple more okay let's riff off those well we should take a break though coming up next more things that we're thankful and hopeful about you're listening to geekwire
1: This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever
0: books are sold. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. We're talking about what we are thankful for in the news over the past year and what gives us hope. John, there are two stories, one of them very specific and one of them unfolding over time that are the last two on my list. There was a story that our colleague Kurt Schlosser wrote in May of this year about two Seattle teen entrepreneurs. Their names are Sage and Nick. They sold their telemedicine startup, Spira, at ages 17 and 18 to Galileo, a New York-based healthcare company. This, to me, was one of the coolest stories of the year. And this is why, at the beginning, I was saying, I don't know if I'm thankful for this, but it gives me hope that you've got two smart people at a very young age who were able to not only build a company, but have a successful exit even before they really entered their college careers. I mean, they're at college. Yes, they're in college, but I mean, they really haven't dug in at college yet. And so this to me was one of the coolest stories. We'll link to it from the show notes because Kurt goes into all the details about what they did. But that that was one of the last the I last love ones. that.
1: Yeah. It's a, as it's described here in the story, a back end no code tool, which makes it easy to create digital smart forms that utilize machine learning algorithms to enhance patient screening and adapt to patients over time. I mean, that's... Cool stuff. That's heavy stuff there. That's nice. Yeah, which is... I agree. So, Todd, we're Was hopeful. Is that on your list? No, I, I love this one. Um, I think it's... You know, the cool thing about it is the next generation of entrepreneurs, of talent coming up, that, that are going to try to solve some of these very complex, challenging problems. And I think they... I think... This is what I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about a movement towards solving the climate crisis. I think the next generation of entrepreneurs are wired to do this. They are driven and committed to do it in areas like climate change and areas like health. One of the other things on my list was just biotechnology and the prospects of biotechnology. I think you're seeing really creative ideas flowing there. And so, yeah, the more 17 18 19 20 year olds that we have creating companies that matter and that
0: solve real problems very much behind that before i get to my last one john what is on your not so great list oh boy do you really want to go there yeah, we've just, been so just, positive just run through, them, run through them. well you know
1: we've talked so much about it on the show recently you know the metaverse okay of course All like, right. we don't have to go into detail on that um Bad AI, bad algorithms. Mm-hmm. So I, we were touching on that a little bit with the, Zillow. With, with Well, Zillow, yeah, that's a great example of it. But even with, you know, maybe the, the mapping tools right. or maybe are those really great for you or great for life? I mean, believe me, I'm not an anti-AI person, but if it's done poorly or there's too much reliance on it, I think we need to watch that and we need the human element involved to make sure that these – Algorithms are not going awry. Um, Todd, NFTs.
0: (laughs) Non-fungible tokens.
1: Yeah, it's on my list. Yes, basically. I don't think it's the most important technology
0: today. Yes, and this whole idea of a digital asset having more value perhaps than people who are more grounded in the physical world might ascribe to it. (laughs) Yes, very well put. (laughs) And then I'll end my not
1: thankful list with maybe something that we can debate here. Yes. Space tourism. Okay, All I'm right. going there. I know you weren't sure you you wanted to go there, okay. but
0: I, you can make the case. I I want to be inspired by the developments of the past year between Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Richard Branson. Richard Branson, by the way, won for the best speech in low Earth orbit by far. Jeff Bezos really needed to work on his speech. I, I think there's lots of stuff that he needed to work on related to this, but I want to look at this and see hope for our future as a multiplanetary species. For the richest people? Well, I think it starts with them and thinking long term eventually gets to others who can go off and establish colonies that will essentially create redundancy. This touches on all of the different themes. Just as you, John, should back up your data with an (laughs) external drive, we here on Earth need some kind of replication of what we have on our planet someplace else, and not just in the clouds, but on another piece of hardware, a.k.a. ground, a.k.a. another planet, Mars or wherever else, to ensure that if our progress on the environment does not succeed long-term, we can go someplace else and just screw that one up over the centuries. Oh, man. How's that for a downer on the I, end? <laughs> well, no, I, you make a good point.
1: You make a good point. I've heard that argument. I just struggle with the way it's being, I guess, rolled out. Yeah, and the perception that you have, you know, a crisis in our communities, in, in many ways, um, you know, whether it's income disparities, whether it's lack of housing, homelessness, I mean, these real-world earth problems that we seem to not be able to get a handle on, and then we're flying a phallic-like rocket to space. It's aerodynamic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To me, I think it's not an either-or. I think it can be an and, and there's the possibility at least of ensuring that we're hedging our bets at the same time we try and fix things here. I see that. So I do have one major item John on my dislike list, but it leads into a positive item okay. that I think will conclude this, this episode is, this on a This is very much note. like you to like have a <laughs> positive message out of it. I just stay we'll in see. the stay in the gutter. So one of my biggest disappointments over the past year was watching unfold the personal scandal of Bill Gates. Oh, yeah. What a bummer. That was a bummer. I agree. In many different ways. This is someone we've covered over the years. We've talked to many times over the years, interviewed. Just the variety of things that came out about his past behavior were disappointing. Now, from that, I am optimistic to see what Melinda French Gates is now doing with her wealth on her own in the same way. I look at the personal behavior of Jeff Bezos and how that likewise led to his divorce and what his ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott, is now doing on her own, which I think is just as remarkable, if not even more so, than what Melinda French Gates is doing. Because Mackenzie Scott really didn't have the years and decades of background in this as Melinda French Gates did with the Gates Foundation. Here's what I would hope they need to team up they need to work together and do their own foundation their own effort now they've worked together on some individual projects and i know they've funded some things together but melinda and Mackenzie, eminem i think that would be the story that would give me the most hope in 2022 and beyond
1: well i like where you're going here i think the moral here is we just need women running the place. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, and with
1: that I mean, we're signing off. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh,
1: but I mean I'm, I'm just going to play the contrarian on this. <laughs> sure. Um, isn't it better off that you have two different groups? You're right. You're that, right. Like it's like uh, it's anytime there's competition or a rival, I'm not saying they're rivals or there's competition in this. Different but approaches. Different approaches yes. and different styles. Maybe because not one approach is going to work in solving some of these yep. problems. So I actually don't. Mind the fact that they're in different camps doing their own thing.
0: This this is where sometimes my journalist sensibilities get in the yeah, way. You of want things. it for the story. I want a great yeah, story, that is and a good it story. really, in truth, the outcome yeah. probably would be worse. <laughs> 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 Which maybe speaks to the problem with media. <laughs> Big picture. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off there.
1: Well, yeah, I guess I could put on my not thankful list. Is our disinformation and misinformation oh, effort now, oh my God. i'll just add that one to it since since you brought up media
0: Why? we're supposed to be ending it on a positive <laughs> that's note right. <laughs> that's right
1: i don't I, and i can't get out of this one in a positive
0: way yeah i know support I know. your local journalists absolutely yeah. support journalism <sighs> with that happy thanksgiving everybody. happy thanksgiving hope you had a good one thanks for listening Geekwire is produced by kurt milton our theme music is by daniel lk caldwell We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm John Cook. Thanks for listening.